After stealing his brother's birthright and blessing, Jacob hoped he would never see his brother again. Esau was out to kill him, and Jacob fled far away. But as the years go by, in the back of the mind of Jacob as well as Esau, this event played in their minds over and over and over again. And they started realizing it's not worth it. It's not worth holding on to this bitterness that I have for my brother. But oh, what will my brother do to me when he sees me again? As Jacob thought. And years later, as God blessed Jacob immensely with a family and a great livestock and many other possessions, Jacob finds himself being led by God to in order to fulfill the promise of God that was given to his father, Abraham. This promise that his offspring, his children and their children and their children will be blessed. And through their seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But on this journey, Jacob hears a very distressing word. That Esau, his brother, is on his way with 400 men. And as Jacob hears this, his heart trembles in anguish. And he is so afraid because the last time that he heard of Esau, Esau wanted to kill him. And here comes his brother Esau with 400 men out to probably kill him once again. And this time he's with all his family and everyone, his children, all these children that God promised would, would, would fulfill this, uh, this promise of God of, of bringing forth the seed of God, of, of blessing their food, and even the promise that this will be the line that the Messiah will come through years later. This is what is on the line, and Jacob knows it. And Jacob is distressed. Jacob falls on his knees and to God and he says, God, oh, Lord, my, my, my brother, he is coming. You need to deliver us, God, Lord, you need to help us. And God says the following. I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And so God basically comes and tells Jacob, don't forget the promise that I gave you. Yes, there are these things that seem to be going wrong. Yes, your brother was angry at you. Yes, there's all this. And yeah, you're afraid. But listen, I have made a promise to you. I am not a God whose word goes for a void. I am not like the idols that you guys had. I am a God who speaks and things go forth. What I say will happen. I am a God that keeps his promises. I am a God who you can trust. You see, God is training his children to trust him. He's showing them that they can trust him even in the face of adversary. And what happens next is an incredibly famous part of the story where Jacob actually then separates himself after receiving this word from God. And he wrestles with God. Jacob, this man appears out of nowhere who starts wrestling with Jacob. And we see a few interesting events transpire in this scenario. Genesis 32 verse 24. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip 
so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he said. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. So we see Jacob here, and he's wrestling with God. And and it's interesting because it says that the man asked Jacob to let him go, but Jacob said, No. I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob knew what was going on. He was wrestling with God. And in this moment, his heart was, God, I can't let you go until you bless me. And you see, this is what our heart is supposed to be. We are supposed to be a people who come after him and wrestles with God and say, God, we will not let you go until you bless us. You must bless us. God, what does it mean to be blessed by God, brother and sister? It is to be made in his image, to look like him, to walk, simply put, like Yeshua. To be blessed by God is for him to make you more like him. Jacob, in its essence, was saying, God, you need to make me more like you. You need to bless me with everything that you have to offer. And I know that if I delight in you, I can get it. And that's the only way you see in the man. He tells him, what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And he says, no, your name will no longer be called Jacob. But now from now on. You will be known as Israel, for you have wrestled with man and God and overcome. You see, Jacob means the one who catches the heel after he was the one who catched the heel of his brother as he came out of his mother's womb. But now God changed his name from the one who catches only the heel to the one who is Israel. That name means the one who rules with God. And that is exactly what this calling of him entails. He says uh, he asked God, Lord, you need to bless me. God, you need to make me more like you. And and what does God do in return? He gives him a name that says you will rule as God with God. Why as God? Because if God is with you, you will rule as God would rule. If God is the one leading you, you will be following the the things of God. You will lead people like God. You will do and walk like God. That's the nature of his name. Israel is supposed to be a picture of who God is and what God would do because God guides Israel. And in turn, Jacob actually renames the name of the place to Peniel because he says this was the place where I saw God face to face. You see, you need to see God 
phase. The phase you need to go and say, God, I need to be made like you. God, you need to bless me. You need to come with him with that heart of God. You must do this for me. You need to make me more like you. And that's the place you see God face to face. Why? Because when you look yourself in the mirror, you'll see the image of God. You'll see what God has made you to become. And what you see in the mirror is a picture of Yeshua. You see how he has changed you into what Yeshua was when he walked here. And that is what we're supposed to be. When people look at you, they're supposed to see someone like the face of God. Someone who looks like Yeshua. Who has the kindness, the love, all of the things that he carried that made him who he was. The obedience to his father, etc. You need to be the one that is a demonstration of God's hand on this earth. Everything you do is watched by men. And they will look, how do you act? You call yourself a follower of Yeshua, of God, of Jesus. What do you walk like? What do you look like? Do you look like his face or do you look like an old man? The man that you were before or have you changed? Is there a change in you? Do you have a are you a new creation is the question that they're going to ask. And if the answer is no, then they wouldn't want it, would they? No. But if the answer is yes, there's something different. What is different about you? Because I need to look more. There's something that you have that I need it. What is it? It's what people will come and they will say, what is this hope that is within you? And that is, that is exactly what Jacob actually did to God directly. He started with him going to God and saying, Lord, how do I look more like you? How, Lord, you need to bless me. But it's interesting because this this angel that Jacob wrestles with, he, he touches Jacob's hip and his hip becomes dislocated. And the story, this part of the story ends with Jacob walking with a, a limp because he hurt his hip really badly. Why would God do that? Why would God dislocate Jacob's hip? What, what is up? What was the story? What is the message? God wants to give. You see, when we turn to the book of Isaiah and this chapter 60, we read about God's promises to Israel. He says that I am going to bless you in, in all these different ways. And one of the ways that God talks about to Israel about about their future, he mentions how the children are carried on the hip. Isaiah 60 verse 4. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. What was the biggest thing that Jacob was afraid of in this moment in time? He was afraid of his brother Esau, who's on the way with his 400 men who are going to do what? He's afraid that they will kill his children, his wives, his offspring is really what it's about. Jacob is afraid that the promise of God will become null and void if his brother comes to destroy him. And God touches Jacob's hip, which is a picture of where we carry our children. We carry our children on the hip. God touches his hip, dislocates it to communicate 
that you will not be the one who carries your children. You will not be the one who figures this thing out. I will be the one who carries your family and brings liberty. It's not dependent on you because see, Jacob had some unbelief in this moment. The very fact that Jacob had doubt that his brother Esau is going to come destroy his family is basically his unbelief and the promise of God that God, that they will have an offspring. They will. The God's promise will be fulfilled, but he didn't believe that. That's why he cried out to God in the first place. He was uncertain. He was doubting now whether what God's whether God's promise would be fulfilled. And God dislocates his hip and, and communicates. You will not be the one to carry your children. I will be the one. You see, we must be the ones to say, Lord, we're not going to doubt your promise. God, you've made this promise to us. And Lord, we will hold on to your promise throughout the ages. We will not let go of that. We believe that you will fulfill what you have come to do. You see, I proclaim to you today, whatever God has, has given to you, whatever promise he will come to fulfill, his word does not return void. And do not try and take things into your own hand and try and figure out how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to protect my family? How am I going to do this, provide, how am I going to, whatever it is, if it's not, whatever the problem is, give it to God because he's the one you see, Jacob thought he's the one who carries his family. He's the one who cares for his family. He was never the one to do that. God is the one who does it from the beginning. We have almost no control over what happens to our families. It is all in the father's merciful hand. And so what happens next is Esau comes. And as Esau comes running up to Jacob, we see something crazy happen. The first thing Jacob does when Esau comes running up to him is get his children out of the way. Genesis 33 verse one, and Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. You see how the story just focuses around all. It's all about the children. It's all about Jacob's care for his children. But then as Esau comes on the horizon of his 400 men and they come up to him, Esau does totally opposite of what Jacob expects. Jacob himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? And Jacob said that the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And lost Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. You see, the first thing Esau does is he grabs Jacob and holds him, and they weep together in, in, in forgiveness. And you know, all those years that they were. And they were thinking of their brother. They were, oh, what does my brother think of me? Has my brother forgiven me yet? I wanted to kill him or he wanted to kill me. In the moment, 
There is peace. There is forgiveness because they have humbled themselves. You see, Esau could have gone and said, I'm going to kill this Jacob. But he humbled himself. And what is the next thing that he does? Esau immediately after greeting Jacob looks at the children. The very ones Jacob was afraid of getting in the way of Esau because he I bet you when Esau was looking towards the children, Jacob had this fear dwell abroad in his throat again of of what will happen? Will will Esau now kill my children? Will he what is he going to do? But Esau, he says, wow, you have all these beautiful children. You have all these beautiful people. God has surely blessed you. You see, brother, sister, you know what this talks about? is how God is the one who changes the hearts. You cannot change the hearts of people. It is only by the spirit of God that the hearts of men can be softened. Esau was almost a lost case. If you looked at his childhood, he wanted nothing to do with his birthright. He wanted nothing to do with. And and then he lost his blessing because of that. He didn't want anything to do with the things of God. But then what happened? In the meantime, from Jacob and Esau separating to their next meeting, God did something in the heart of Esau. And this is why God dislocated Jacob's hip. It was a picture of You need to stop trying to think that you're the one who's going to need to change the mind of your brother. You think that you're going to be the one that needs to take care of your children. You're going to be the one who's going to carry your children on your hip when they enter that promised land or the promises I've given you. And like in Isaiah 60, it's not you who's the one who's carrying them. I am the one who carries your children. I'm the one who carries everything you care about. And I'm the one who changes the hearts of men for my glory. That's what the Lord says. This was all for the promise of God to be fulfilled. You see, it's not just about Jacob as an individual or Rachel, or Rebecca or any or Esau, or any of them as individuals. This promise of God was about something way bigger. It was about God's promise. You see, there is a we often get stuck and we're like, God, you need to bless me, to bless me. God, you need to help me. God, you need to do this for me. Me, 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 me. God, help me. What we fail to forget is that God has his own interest at heart. Even though he loves us, he wants to bless us. He wants to take care of us. He is the one who carries us. But at the same time, God is not going to forsake us also for the reason that if he forsook us, His own name would suffer because of it. God is not a God who lies. God is it goes against his character. God must fulfill the promises he made because he is perfect. He does not lie like a man. And so that means that if God has made you a promise, if God has come and spoken to your heart about something, he is not a man that he should lie or forget about you. And after this transpired, Jacob looked to Esau and he said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God. And you have accepted me. You see, this is interesting because Jacob, he now actually tells Esau, 
the way that you are appearing to me is that you're like, I have seen you. And when I saw you, you were like seeing the face of God. Guys, what happened the day before? Jacob saw God face to face. He wrestled with God. He said, God, you need to bless me. You need to help me, Lord. We, you need to do this. And then the next day he sees his brother Esau and he, and he describes as seeing the face of God. You see, in this moment, Esau is attributed to being almost like God to Jacob in that moment. Because God has changed the nature, the heart of Esau. Thereby, Esau's face was changed to look more like Jesus, to look more like Yeshua. And see, but it's a bigger picture. It's something more you need to see. The story of Jacob and Esau is reminiscent of our story with God as well. Just like Jacob sinned against his brother Esau by stealing his birthright, he he came and he basically sinned against Esau. In the same way we have come, we have sinned against God. But what happened next is Jacob flees from Esau. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they flee from God after sinning against him and they hide away in the bushes. Just like Jacob, he went to hide away. Just like we, we go to hide away from God because we don't want and we, we don't want to yeah, we sin against God. We can't come near him. But then what happens? What needs to happen is we need to come to God and say, God, Lord, you need to bless me. You see, we're unsure. How are we going to look? How is it going to be when we come to God on Judgment Day? What is he going to say? But then we come to him, we say, Father, Lord, I have sinned against you. God, you need to bless me. Lord, you need to change my nature. You need to make me more like you so I can look like you, so I can walk like you. And then we have that encounter of seeing God face to face again. Even though we've sinned against God in our past, we come to him and we see him face to face and he comes and blesses us. And he but he shows us also that he, he dislocates our hip, if you will. He shows us that, yes, you, I'm going to I want to bless you. I want to make you more like me, but you're going to need to let go of those children or whatever it is that you hold on to more. It's more important to you than what I if, that I'm important to you. You see, we God needs to be number one and then it's God and then it's God and it's God. God is the only thing of priority that needs to occupy us. Everything else comes second. And so God comes and he shows us you will not be the one who carries your baby, your thing, your your job, your house, your car, your whatever. It is now me who's going to carry you and everything you have. And so that means we lay ourselves down, we die to ourselves, and we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, Yeshua. Like he said, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. And see, then this marvelous day will one day come where we once again see God face to face. You see, we will all come before God. Every knee will bow before him one day. We will come to see God face to face yet again. But see, this time we're not going to be unsure. We're not going to be like Jacob, who was unsure of how Esau was going to respond when they saw again, because you have already wrestled with God and asked him to bless you and make you more like him. You already know his thoughts about you. You know that he loves you. Now you come to judgment day 
And there's, there's this little bit of a, a nervousness, of course, but there is confidence because you know God. And what happened next is Jacob came and he gave Esau all these presents. He, he gave all these investments. It's like us. When we come to the Father, He's going to see, what have you done with the investment that I have given you? God has given us spiritual giftings. He's given us talents. He's given us all these things. And He's going to ask, what did you do with these things? Did you bury it or did you yield a profit? Did you build my kingdom while you were at it? And you see, so just like Jacob saw Esau on that final day, which was like the day of judgment for Jacob. Esau's face shined like the face of God. Because that is like the picture of like when we will come to really see the face of God again in our future. And you see what's the most beautiful thing of all to connect all this together. 316 is that right after this encounter, Jacob goes into a land called that he calls Sukkot. And this occurrence, this event will become would later become what we know today as the festival of Sukkot or the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, after Judgment Day, after the Day of Atonement, the feast of the Day of Atonement, which is Judgment Day, we will later after after seeing the face of God on that great day, we will enter the marriage supper of the Lamb where we well, if we are accepted by him and we and he recognizes us and he, and he sees, oh, this is Petey or this is Jacob or this is who you are. I know you. You came and you wrestled with me. You came and you asked me to make you more like you. Welcome to the wedding. You see, that's what happens next. And in that place, to, to, but to get to that place, we need to go through this journey. You don't want to get to the day of atonement. You don't want to get to judgment day. And not know who God is. You don't want to get there having never wrestled with God. You, would, you don't want to get there with your hip intact. You were the one carrying everything. You were the one doing everything in life. You were the one in charge of life. You don't want to get to judgment day with that mindset. Because that means God was not the ruler of your life. That means that you were the one ruling. You were building your kingdom. You were telling Satan, oh, Satan, yes, give me the kingdoms of this world in your wilderness instead of being like Yeshua and saying, Satan, get out of my way. I will. I don't want your kingdoms because I serve a kingdom much higher. A kingdom that will one day come, whether you like it or not, whether we want it to come or not, it's going to come. And that when that kingdom comes, we're going to be a partaker of that kingdom or we will not be part of it. But how we live today will determine that. So I invite you into this kingdom of light. This is a place of freedom. It's a place where there is no more bondage and chains to this world. It is a place where we are not living in fear anymore. When our enemies come charging us with 400 men, God will be the one to change their hearts. We won't have to worry about doing it. God never asked us to change the hearts of men. He asked us to walk like Jesus, like Yeshua walked, because when we do, men will see it and God will come and change their hearts by it. I hope this teaching encouraged and blessed you, and I hope that you go to the Father today and say, Father, you need to make me more like you. You need to bless me. And God, I will not let you go until you bless me. 
It's like that woman who came to Yeshua's garment and grabbed it, his tzitzit, the fringe of his garment. And she grabbed it and said, you need to bless me. You need to heal me. Why? Why did she say that? She's been bleeding for years and years and years, unable to come to the temple as she desired in her heart. She, in other words, had a desire to keep the commandments of God, but was unable. And she said, God, you need to bless me. She's basically saying, my flesh is preventing me from keeping your commandments. My, I'm being kept back by my flesh to be obedient to you. But God, you need to change me so I can be obedient to you. You need to heal my flesh so I can bring it into submission so I can be obedient. That is what it means to be blessed by God. May God bless you and keep you. Shine his face upon you and his countenance upon you and give you shalom and mercy and grace. I'll see you guys in the next video as he permits. Have an amazing day.